This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about a pick that Kyle gave us. So, why? There's that. <laughs> it's Psycho 2. It was, it's, uh, an anniver- it's an anniversary. It is uh, an anniversary. Yeah. So, here's, here's what I'll say about the Psycho 2 of it all. <laughs> I think I have always found this to be a very good movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it. This was I, my first watch. Yeah, I've debated if it's a horror movie night pick for <laughs> ten years, sure. which is impressive because we're only eight years old. But so this will go over your head a little bit, Kyle. Obviously, you know the existence of this, but Scott can back me up on this. This would be a perfect Reddit horror club pick, not not a home run horror movie night pick. And I only say that because man, is this like a discussion deep dive? Yeah. Like so much to pick apart here from like a very uh intellectual stance and look i love our show i love the three of us we we aren't intellectuals <laughs> we like to pretend what? we like to pretend we are but I come on that, now. I, don't, I don't think it's it's Liz. pretending yeah 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 no i admittedly you're right all of my notes are excitement over why this is the perfect sequel to psycho which unfortunately would end up being uh, pretty, yeah, pretty heavy in the educational. No. Uh, yeah, well, I have, I have no problem word. with that. Like, every once in a while, our listeners have to get some culture. Mm-hmm. Well, this feels actually like Prom Night 2-E to me because it was very, like, fun in its presentation, but it's fun because it's also a sequel to Psycho, which has this gravitas about it that needs to Are be Are you addressed. trying to say there's gravitas to Prom Night because that is... Oh. That's a no, hot not take. the prom. No, no, that's that's the difference. Is that prom night two is a superior, uh, a, a superior film. Are you saying uh, that Psycho Two is a superior film? You are. Um, Tarantino are says lot, that uh, he does prefer it. Yes. Yeah, I don't think that it's a superior film because I don't think that it has its merit without the original. Do you know what I mean? Like, prom yeah, night two a good... is a superior film because it can stand alone. I don't think Psycho Two could necessarily stand alone. And I actually uh, think that it. Psycho 2 is a painfully 
underrated movie. Like, there are a lot of people who will not even acknowledge this sequel, where it's like, this is absolutely best case scenario when you are remaking a classic film almost 20 years after that classic film was released. They said that, that Norman got out after 22 years in the clink. And uh, yeah. so I was like, was it 60 or 61? But that would make sense if, if Robert Block wrote Psycho 2 in 1982 they used that as the um, they they completely threw away what he had written. But oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, with, and I the I've had the Psycho the, Two book forever. I've never read it. I want to crack it open and read it because the premise of the book sounds fucking awesome. But I think that the um, premise of this movie is way more interesting. It's way more interesting. I think that his is almost like a meta because I think yeah he struggled with the psycho film adaptation of his book, which is weird because it's a pretty faithful adaptation with the exception of Norman Bates. Like Norman Bates. That's a pretty big fucking exception. (laughs) Well, 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 no, like, like in the sense that like Norman Bates in the book is described way more as like an, not like, like Leatherface, but like a large, like large, unattractive, uh, like gives you creepy vibes kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, Like, Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, basically, like, Anthony Perkins is a good-looking dude. Like, even in this movie, all these years later, like, the thing that shocked me about this movie, even rewatch, I've seen this movie probably four or five times. I really think this is a good movie. I was about to ask how many times you guys have seen this. Yeah, I can't believe this is first for you, Scott. That's very exciting. It's because um, I I like Psycho, but I don't, I don't know, I've, I've watched now Psycho 1, Psycho 2, and Psycho 4, The Beginning. And two of them were for this show. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it, I've watched Psycho maybe three times in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's very, uh, it's an important film, but it's not like if I'm gonna watch a black and white horror thriller, it's not gonna yeah. be Psycho. It's, it's gonna bad. be yeah. Carnival of Souls. You know, like it's yeah, just, right. yeah fair. It's That's just fair. I have a different. Right. I, it's it's not my 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 go to taste, but yeah. um, I really really enjoyed this watch because yeah. I had like an inkling. And I think I talk about this pretty regularly on the show, if not the actual episode, the what did we watch? The thing that I like about a movie is when I get a vibe and I'm like, there, there's a crossroads where the plot can either go the safe route, which is usually in horror also the less expensive production route, or yeah. they can do something that's a little bit more off the wall and i think that this movie well this movie is yes you know 40 years old at this point it was a first watch for me and i specifically did not read the wikipedia or the imdb until i was done um because i wanted to go in fresh and um that was a great watch it was basically like watching the movie with uh, watching the movie 40 years ago basically because you you're you're hyped because it's Anthony Perkins back in the role after 20 some years and then it's a surprise with the twists you know and there are good, yeah. there are some sweet twists in this movie but yeah. i so i you know what i'm going to pick a word that you said distinctly though sweet like i i found myself being moved emotionally at points in this movie hmm. Specifically, just the idea of I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go real hard in into something 
fucking dark in a second. But have either of you ever watched the movie Little Children? No. Okay. Little Monsters. So, so uh, Little Children good. is a, right there with you, Cal. <laughs> Little Children is a tough fucking movie to watch. Mm. So the film follows um what's the who's the dude who played freddy krueger in the remake uh jackie earl haley jackie earl haley it follows this man who was arrested for pedophilia and he's released back into the community after like 20 years of psychological help and he's trying to be a good person but the whole movie is how the town refuses to accept him and it does this really powerful thing of like he is a bad person in the wrong he he did something horrible but like throughout the movie you start to feel sympathy for this person who's really trying to like make amends and move forward and the town won't allow it to happen and there are these moments specifically like when he's getting fucked with in the restaurant that like really hit me because it's like and, and I think it works because Anthony Perkins is such a likable person that you're like he seems like he's really trying to just <laughs> live a normal life and you yeah. get like really fucking like I was getting like worked up and mm. his he's such a talented actor where he has these moments where you look at his face and it's like part of it's like he wants to cry in that moment and the other part is he wants to snap in that moment and yeah. it's it really is phenomenal yeah. how well he performs his role in those specific scenes where I'm like, this dude should have been so much more than what his career actually allowed him mm -hmm. to be, which was like a dude who got cast in a bunch of schlocky horror films well, because one he time he played originally. Norman Bates. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was, this was going to be a TV movie and he was like, like Christopher no. Walken. Yeah, they wanted Christopher Walken, Walken and then to play Norman Bates. They they, they <laughs> yeah. were like, if you come back, it'll be an actual studio film, and and mm -hmm. he did. But here's the and thing: he the role was killer. He was like yeah. Norman Bates was. I wrote on my litter box review. It's like he's doing the work. Like he's working <laughs> on. He's working hard on himself. He's trying. So have you got? So you were talking about that. Um, what was that movie called with Jack? Little Girl? Children. Little Children. Little children. Um, yeah. Have you guys ever heard of the movie The Woodsman um, starring Kevin Bacon? Yes. I, I mean, I, not I, The I Woodsman directed by, <laughs> by Kyle Kukta. I heard um, about it after. <laughs> it's it, it has nothing to do with this, the, the concept of and conceit of The Woodsman by Kyle Kukta. Uh, it's, um, and I don't even know why the fuck I watched it in like 2006 or something, 2007, but um it's because it's not my not my thing at all. Um, but it's Kevin Bacon is a um, recently released sex offender, child sex offender, um, and he goes back to a town and he's basically. It's basically like the movie is a, kind of a character study about how to how how he tries to uh, start his life over. He can't live too close to a school. Um, obviously, he can't um, have interactions with a lot of people. But he befriends this woman, and they start a relationship. And he's like grappling with whether or not to reoffend. And um, it feels very similar to to Little Children in that sense. Yeah. Um, definitely not what I like to watch, though. No, um, and and like Little Children is a is a film that I I think if you're a a specific type of film fan who likes to have your emotions challenged, mm -hmm. which when it came out in 2006, I absolutely was. 
now it's like my whole vibe is like give me a show where everybody loves each other and every yeah. single episode is just how great and loving they I can mean, be towards yeah. each other are, are we talking about Ted Lasso already today because Ted, no. look Ted Lasso we're talking shrinking we're even talking about parenthood to a certain extent like it's just like that's emotion porn and yeah, that like, is that's what, we, that's what it's called emotion porn but there's there's some of what we're talking what you're talking about in these character driven like dramas mm-hmm. happening here just mm-hmm. with some slasher and great effects and like some really like really funny schlocky characters um I, oh the, tombs the uh, yeah Toomey? To- yeah Toomey? like the hotel owner great. Uh, motel ro- like um dennis yeah, franz manager <laughs> who was fucking great who yeah was it dennis franz or was it not dennis franz i'm pretty uh, sure it was dennis franz okay. was that not if that wasn't Dennis Franz, then was Dennis K- Franz has a twin running Dennis around um, Hollywood. I, Carly and I had the exact same conversation about the Tilly sisters uh, when we watched the Body Snatchers, Body Snatchers episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, Car- like we didn't know we had the same conversation until we finished our conversation while watching Psycho Two, and we were like, "Oh, we already done this exact thing. <laughs> like we've had the same conversation." Well, say my one complaint. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna throw any complaint out there, um, so obviously I've heard a couple stories uh, doing any bit of research that like Meg Tilly maybe didn't have the greatest experience working on this movie, <laughs> uh, or um, the worst experience of her entire career. Yeah, either, I mean either yeah. one. That there's a body double for the nude mm-hmm. scene with her, which is like the most unnecessarily confusing nude scene I think I've ever seen in a movie because it's literally like a millisecond. They had to show (laughs) some tasteful side boob. It's 1983. They had to up the boobs and they had to up the kills. And so they did. It was just, it was one of those things where I'm like, why is this even here? Because like, it's so quick and so fast that you're just like, Okay. You might as well have just cut it entirely. Like you hired a full body double for a millisecond of a boob shot in in a movie that really is too artistic to need gratuitous Are nudity. Are you in saying it. that boobs aren't art? Because I would they, argue that they fair, are. Fair, fair. I mean, I would also say the other strike to this movie is the just opening the movie with the shower scene from yeah, Psycho. Yeah, I, I where, was very sus. I was watching this, and I'm like, this is some shit. Meg Tilly grew up to be an actor, but she never watched TV or movies growing up. She wasn't allowed, yeah. which I don't – how do you – how does that happen? Well, because that's kind of what led to her having such a terrible time here was that she didn't understand who Anthony Perkins right. was, thought that she was the bigger name in the movie, and didn't understand why everyone was fawning over Anthony, and I guess Anthony Perkins – Overheard her complain about personally. that, and it hurt, and it hurt his feelings. And, the, and yeah, he but then asked he for like, her to be removed. Yeah, but she had already like, done almost all of her scenes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you can't I fire someone after they do the bulk of their scenes, dude. I don't read. It's any like a of real Streisand effect kind of thing going on yeah. where he's yeah. like, you know. And then but she I got a fucking Oscar nod for something like the next yeah. year, right, or two years from there. Well, I think she got she got award nominations for both this and the movie she did after Agnes but, of Go- the Gods or something. Agnes yeah, of God. something like that. I you know it's tough because I kind of I feel for both parties in that situation, right? Like her getting like the cold shoulder from like the star of the movie and and like that and sucks. the director. And the director, like that all sucks and I totally get it. I also see it from Anthony Perkins' view where it's like 
you've been down on your luck. You're you're being brought back for this movie, and then you find out that your co-star not only doesn't know who the fuck you are, but is questioning why anyone gives a shit about you. Like, I could understand. You're like, this is why I did not want to come back. Yeah, like, I could understand being a little catty and cold after that. Yeah. Okay, fair. Because I I thought that he was 100% in the wrong, but you guys have added a little nuance to it. So I appreciate it. And I because his reaction was maybe not the best. No. I think his feelings were valid. And I only, and the only reason, honestly, the only reason why I'm even remotely trying to defend Anthony Perkins is that, like, by all other accounts, it seems like he was a very sweet person. So I feel like if he was that way, I think it has a lot more to do with, like, an emotional hurt yeah. <laughs> that he's reacting on than like, you know, you know, I love Bill Murray, but anytime that I hear a story about Bill Murray being a dick on set, I'm like, yeah, that's just Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's just, he's a douche. Like that's what he is. <laughs> but like Anthony Perkins, all things considered, everyone seems to really speak highly of him except for Meg. Tilly. Yeah. So I, I think she just cut a nerve. Hey Kyle, I saw you sipping on something. I am. I'm sipping on a, a beer called Midnight Mary, mainly because it has like a Mama Bates looking. But also, Mary can. is Meg Tilly's character's name, I, so it's perfect. Wow, that's uh, that's very helpful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you forgot her name. I uh, um, I have a little something too. Yeah, um, I needed milk, but um, th- she was talking because you know mothers and and mother's also Meg milk, Tilly yeah. drinking milk like a fiend in that one scene. Um, <laughs> But then I, I also I I didn't want to just drink some some like almond milk, so I got the almond Baileys, like almond milk Baileys, oh, the vegan yeah. Baileys. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so it, because she's like, let me make you an Irish coffee, and I'm like, well, you could easily make an Irish coffee with this and some coffee. That's I just fantastic. don't drink coffee. Right, I drink so mother's are. milk though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carly had the funniest thing that I remember her saying in a long time when they were exhuming Mrs. Bates. Um, she just goes, I guarantee insurance doesn't cover that intervention. It's <laughs> 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 like... Fantastic. Because like, we got to a point where we're like, why are they taking the body? Like, what's going on? And it's just to show him that she's dead. And yeah, she goes, yeah. oh, no. There's no way. There's no yeah. way that that's covered. Well, That's so funny. Well, I, and so we haven't really talked. Uh, there's a good chance that a lot of people listening to this don't know what this movie do is we, or why we're talking about it. Do we want to so be highly. like spoiler free? Are we no, going to do we'll that? No, we'll start. Look, they know what they're tuning in for, <laughs> but if they think that they're tuning, I'll say this. I recommend if, that you watch the movie. Like, yeah, if you it's... if you tuned in because you thought Psycho 2, that's got to be garbage and my favorite podcast is going to shit all over it, you're wrong <laughs> and you should very much watch the movie because it's very good. But the the very quick short elevator pitch of this movie is that it's 22 years after the original psycho norman bates has been fully psychologically fixed he is no longer schizophrenic he no longer believes that he is part his mother part himself and he is being re-released into society because he is just kind norman now and not evil potentially dangerous norman uh but the town and the uh, families of the victims are really not digging this uh, he's trying to live a normal life. He builds up a relationship with a waitress that works at a restaurant where he's a chef. Um, but throughout this period, he keeps getting creepy phone calls, claiming to be his mother, trying to get him to kill. Uh, and what is slowly being clear throughout the movie, at first you think, oh no, he's 
he's losing his mind again, but it becomes very clear that someone is fucking with him to try to make him break. Um, and then there's a couple twists and turns that you can get into there, but at one point, Norman says that he actually believes that while the woman who raised him is dead, that he doesn't think that that was his true mother and that the phone calls are coming from his real mother. What we ultimately end up finding out is that Meg, the girl from the wait- uh, the waitress that he's been dating... Her name's Mary, is, but is Ma- Oh, yeah, sorry. Meg Tilly, playing Mary, is actually the daughter of the woman who's been doing the prank calls. Who and was... Two who's, of, whose sister was murdered in the first yeah, movie? It's Loom- yeah, it's Loomis. So I think it's their brother was the detective that gets oh okay killed. Yeah, yeah 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 sam loomis is i'm pretty sure the name of the detective that oh, and then, <clears throat> norman yeah, slashes her, but her her maiden name's crane yeah um and then yeah so uh which doesn't matter I miriam just, like, crane. Like Mary and crane uh yeah. yeah yeah but um but yeah that's that's their relation which so, got, like it took me it took me like an extra couple mind steps it was probably all the doritos but like yeah. a couple <laughs> extra seconds to be like who <laughs> like who are we talking about <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a lot, but it uh basically Meg or Mary has fallen in love with Norm Norman, sees that he's a good dude, and is she's trying she to fell in stop love with him. I thought that she just thought I, I didn't get the love out of that. I just thought that she was uh, she felt okay. Bad for she him. just she she felt bad for him. She realized okay. that like this is not right what we're doing, and she's trying it's to stop it. But the mom <laughs> won't stop, and the mom essentially snaps and is the killer. And we think that we have mostly a happy ending so here. So who, um, okay, well, can can we, after you finish this, go through who we think killed whom? Yes, sure. Okay, we can do that. I need clarifications. Um, oh, I will try. I, I mean, I don't think that, I personally don't think that Mary killed anybody. I think that everything was being done by uh Yeah, Lola I don't Cruz. think that Mary yeah. killed anybody either. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but, but her mom, Lila... Lila, she she killed that teenager, right? She killed the teenager. She killed Dennis Franz. Like she killed. No, a couple I don't. People. I don't know if that was that her or was that the mom? Was that the the actual mom? Oh, that's right. Oh. Because okay, yes, okay. So yeah, I, so maybe Lila so, didn't kill anybody. So Lila, no, Lila killed nobody. Mary killed nobody. All right. There were. So what's funny is that there, I got confused because there's this whole thing. I'll read it right now. I'm going to read directly from the wiki page because this might solve everything. So after it's confirmed that um, after it's confirmed that Lila and Mary have been causing all the issues, they determine it says they the police incorrectly determine that Mary committed all of the murders and arrest her later. Emma Spool, another waitress from the diner, visits Norman and informs him that she is his real mother. Mrs. Bates was her sister and adopted mm-hmm. Norman as an infant when Irma was institutionalized. Mm-hmm. Emma reveals that she was the real murderer, having killed anyone who tried to harm her son. In response, Norman kills her and carries the body to mother's room and begins talking to himself in her voice as the mother personality has once again taken control of his mind. Yes. So okay. you're correct. Emma has caused pretty much all of the murders except for me i guess you're right maybe the teenagers but i don't no, think so i think i think that, I think that you're I right think that's i think all i think that the wikipedia is right that the yeah. the the teenagers the teenagers to me lila and um is that everybody 
That's yeah, everybody. That's everybody. That's everyone. Um, it's funny because the the, the IMDb there this had so much IMDb trivia and it fucked me up because I was like I was reading it and this this one person goes, oh man, so I get why Meg Tilly didn't like the Psycho fans in 1983 because it's 2023 and I don't like the Psycho fans Um, (laughs) uh, because they're like very like um, you know push their 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 glasses up their nose and Mm -hmm. you know be pedantic little fucks about stuff. But one of them, Mm -hmm. one of the pieces of of trivia said this Psycho has the most or this movie has the most killers in any slasher movie in history with four killers and i'm like what i don't think so if anything there's two but um no, no also just, have they ever seen one. a giallo film if they <laughs> yeah. think that that is the amount of killers that anything has like wait what? are you trying to tell me that something that someone was saying on the internet turned out to not be accurate Yes, I I know. Also, I pushed my first time up ever. On a Giallo, so. <laughs> you gotta you gotta uh, pay for the Patreon to see Kyle do that joke. His physical comedy um, is Patreon only. Uh, Patreon patreon.com slash backslash HMM podcast. If you want to be part of that, that's true. I I am curious. I will do the I will do the work in advance. Uh, I own all four of. Well, I actually own five Psycho movies because. At one point, Scream Factory was selling that remake for like five bucks on a on I'm a Halloween halfway, sale, I'm and I said, "All right." The remake, I ended up having falling asleep, and yeah. I never returned to it. It's uh, but I like Vince Vaughn. I don't necessarily like you know. <laughs> I think that that's a bigger hot take than anything you've said the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn yeah. doesn't like Vince Vaughn. But what I was gonna say is. Psycho Three is a direct sequel to this. Like it, okay. it literally, and it's dire- and it's directed by Anthony Perkins. Mm. So I'm kind of mm. curious to like revisit it because I remember it being fine. You like we ulti- watched four for the podcast? we watched four, which was a TV movie that yeah. you could totally live a happy life not ever watching. It is definitely um, not the worst thing I've watched for this. I got show. the no. triple feature DVD though, so I mean, I'm, oh well, then you're good. You're I'm good to go. To, yeah. But but yeah, three. <laughs> I remember three. being perfectly fine, but it's probably the most slasher film inspired of the Psycho franchise because it's like you know 1986. You know what I mean? Like it is. It is in the thick yeah. <laughs> of, of the slasher film genre, and it also co-stars Jeff Fahey. But a lot, the one thing I do remember about that movie is that now Emma Spool is the voice that he hears in his head from that point. Like they they literally continue it from that point, and people are trying to find Emma, and like it it literally is a direct like a month after this movie ends sequel Interesting. to like what happened. So we'll see. Uh, it was the lowest grossing film in the franchise, which, you know, doesn't say much. They released I was about to say, three like, in wow, theaters and a TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. This was written by Tom Holland. Yes, like that's right. another yeah. big heavy and hitter sh- thing. And to throw shot in by Dean Cundy. It's like, you have all these like horror maestros in their own right in some capacity. Uh, and it's it, it it really is. I mean, when I make that comparison to Prom Night Two, I mean so in its like inventiveness of like what they do. Like, there's this incredible wallpaper scene that they like pan this very um, eccentric wallpaper to find the peephole that Norman looks through or Emma looks through. Somebody looks through. Yeah, that doesn't um, make sense. Was he was he watching Meg Tilly shower or was it well, her so- own fucking mom? 
So that's the th- uh, or was it her own mom? Yeah, that's true too. Uh, oh, or was it, it his mom? Yeah, like it could right. be any number of people. It probably was so actually and, his and mom. That's the th- like little things like that that sort of lead up to like the the confusion that Norman feels that then we all have to feel too. I thought was really I thought it was really neat. And then there's this there's I, I just the inventiveness of some of the shots are really fun because in the original we're not in the house really all that often. Um, and then we get to be in the house a lot more in this one, and I thought that that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? It's a good psychological thriller, Mm -hmm. which raises the question... Kyle, what other movie would you watch when you were done watching Psycho 2? So this isn't going to be a popular one to watch with it, I don't necessarily think, but I would watch Eaten Alive. Uh, tell me who okay. was Eaten Alive. Um, it, it has this theatrical stage presence thing that I think Psycho 2 has Soundstage. a lot of, Soundstage, hell yeah. Um, you know, it just has this... Is it on the same it fucking this... universal backlot? I would laugh my ass <laughs> off if it was. It it's be, very it possible. It might be just adjacent. Oh, also, speaking of the backlot, there's this one shot that they show of the house and the motel, and the the physical backdrop is, like, the biggest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, this is insane. You yeah. know, because the house is outside, so it's, like, to have this massive backdrop with as wide of a shot as they do for this house this perspective thing is crazy um but i would choose eating alive uh it's a little more sadistic but it's fun scott i don't think you'll take mine so i'll let you go next um i'm gonna go with scream 2 because okay all i could do when i was watching this was think about randy's rules of sequels because they were based on this i mean it really makes it, it makes so much sense and i never really thought about that when i I've watched Scream 2 in the past because obviously I'd never watched Psycho 2. Also, um, it was... It's wild m- that we haven't done an episode. The only Scream movie we've actually personally done an episode on is 3, which is wild to me. Yeah, because, because I think we could get great episodes out of 2 and 4. September is Listener Submitted Month if you play your cards right. Um, and, you know, send us an email with your suggestions and... Mm-hmm. Probably if it's Scream 2, it's going to get picked. <laughs> um, but uh, so I also was completely shocked in my stupidity when I watched this and realized Billy Loomis was named after Billy Loomis in this movie in Scream. Not, well, not, not Dr. Loomis in Dr. Halloween, Loomis. which is what yeah. I originally, I thought for. I mean, I've always thought that too. Well, 1996 yeah. till now, I literally have thought for the entirety of the Scream franchise that he was based, that his name was an homage to Donald Pleasance's character in Halloween, mm-hmm. not Psycho 2. Mm-hmm. Mind blowing. Yeah. All right, Matt, what about you? Either. 
I want to go with a movie that I really, truly thought that there was a chance Kyle was going to grab. I went with Magic. Just oh. changing out Anthony's here. But <laughs> another truly great... I like I, I actually think that is one of the great psychological thrillers of yeah. all time. Like it yeah. is and I, and I think I like it because it feels like it could be a black box theater performance. Yeah. Like it is just oh, and this does too. This yeah. absolutely <laughs> yes, yes, a mil- yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. like like Magic has the well especially Magic cuz it's literally just a two man show as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I know that yeah. there's like one or two other characters that show up, but as far as I'm concerned that is a 90 minute play between Anthony Hopkins and Burgess Meredith yeah, just yeah. having a conversation while Anthony yeah. Hopkins loses As much his mind. as I, I love, love Burgess Meredith, please don't subject no. me to magic for the show. Yeah. Magic no, I, magic I would never work for this podcast because it would just be Kyle and I talking about how brilliant it is, but also having nothing to bring to the table. No, <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> luckily, like, that's the thing. I think that, like, luckily this did have some, like, effect stuff and, like, some fun kills and some fun character things, but, like, it is, like, you were right, Matt. Like, it's kind of on the, it's kind of on the line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I have fun talking about it. It would be, it like, is... doing magic would be similar to Two, but not exactly the same as um I want to say is Pontypool is Pontypool the one where it's Pontypool. just a guy alone in the radio station? Yes. Yeah. Like it's a brilliant movie. It's a fin- it's a fantastically made movie. It 100% could be done as a one man show on a stage. Not a movie I ever want to discuss on Horror Movie Night no. because it's so stripped down and simplistic that there's nothing for us to pull from. Yeah. Um, but you should all see Ponzi Pool. Uh, so, <laughs> Kyle, what have you been watching, reading, listening to that you want to tell people to go check out? Okay, so I saw Evil Dead Rise, which by the time this episode airs probably isn't in the theater, but Possibly, maybe yeah. on a streaming service at some point. I, I think Fingers crossed probably- for me. Yeah, yeah. I was um, gonna say is let's start with this because I haven't seen it yet. I, is I it a must see in theaters or is it if you wait for no, like? <laughs> I don't think it's a must see in theaters. I mean, well, but also here my theater experience was me at twelve forty five on a Wednesday in an empty theater. So um, see that that's my vibe though. Yeah, yeah though that's yeah, I was gonna say you're selling it for me yeah, in that well, vibe. Uh, to but. be honest with you though, I like yes that is perfect and it's perfect for my schedule. Like there's it was excellent but at the same time i was like i could be at home doing work and i've picked an irresponsible thing yeah well, <laughs> that's why I, that's why i struggle to see most irre- movies in self-care theaters. is irresponsible don't yeah. do it don't take care of yourself <laughs> it's disgusting um no it's it was it was a good choice um wait what I, kind of self-care are we talking about are we talking about self-care that you're supposed to go to church and atone for Yes, yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, seeing you know, Evil Dead in theaters. It's yeah, a demonic tomato, movie. Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the more I sit with it, the more I like it. But here's the um, here's the thing that I have with it, and I, and I understand that the like original trilogy was written by the same guy with the same voice, every whatever, right? But. The Deadites and the Evil Dead and the Necronomicon and all the stuff is now in the cultural lexicon, especially mm-hmm. in horror's cultural lexicon. Uh, and to me, women Deadites is sort of like a theme, and it'd be really nice to see a woman writer or director take on some of that. And in this one, it's a lot of motherhood stuff mm-hmm. that within the first 20 minutes I'm like mm, you're a white dude yes okay yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but is listen, that their like, fear I, of of women mothers 
it's yeah like it's not Ari Aster level like <laughs> I hate my mom and I want to you know <laughs> it's not that but it is at this and, and like here's the thing like I as a white male filmmaker expect and imagine that at some point in time I will write a, a mother character based on my experiences with mothers so it's like I'm not I don't want to invalidate the ability to write that to screen it just seemed like when we we're talking about these emotion like the emotional beats of it which existed like there was some tugs at heartstrings like that's the whole point is like when somebody turns into a demon and then attacks you at your soul like there has to be some heavy shit um it's not as like black humor as Raimi's trilogy um mm-hmm. it's a lot more uh I would say mean, but there's also a ton of gore. Like there's like, some great uh, um, nods to both uh, like the Evil Dead series and other horror things. It's um, the kills are great. Like the effects are good. Like there's actually more practical effects than I expected, uh, or CGI enhanced practical effects. You know, like stuff mm, built upon. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which I which I appreciated too. But tasteful um, CGI or no? I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, there's some like. There's some sort of like face contortion stuff that like felt a little kind of like old old school CGI to me, but at the same time I was like, it, it's it's fine. Um, and the more I sit with it, the more I, I appreciate it. I didn't walk out of there loving it, and I don't love it now. But it was a fun it was a fun time. Like I enjoyed okay. being there. Sweet. I cannot wait for it to appear on whatever streaming app it falls down. Yeah. On. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It, it lands right in the. It'll lineup, and it'll be like my know? top priority that week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the second I hear like, oh, it's available on Paramount Plus or Peacock, I'll be like, oh, fuck yeah, right. I'll find two hours to watch this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna bounce off of that just because I the reason why I'm gonna pick the thing I'm about to pick kind of ties into proper representation, um, mm-hmm. and and creating something that feels authentic. I'm only six episodes into it, but uh, Ashley Robinson, who's been on our show, uh, I've been doing an Instagram live thing with her every Thursday, uh, and it's been fun. It's just 30 minutes of us shooting the shit about pop culture, and she told me to check out The Owl House based on how much I enjoyed Gravity Falls. Uh, so I officially just started that this week. The Loud and House? Is that what The Owl, like a, oh. like a, like a bird. Okay. <laughs> a bird of a bird of night. Um, and... It is, like, in six episodes, I'm just like, I am so glad that for three seasons a show like this existed where their main character is a bisexual girl whose best friend is gender neutral, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's just a charming, cute kid show about a girl who feels like an outcast in the human world and finds a door into a world of witches and magic and is, like, learning learning magic and falling in love with these gender neutral creatures that she's Mm -hmm. befriended and it's just it's so wholesome it's so inclusive and you can tell that it like really comes from the co-creator who is a a bisexual woman's own experience writing like how she felt as a child into a children's cartoon and it's just like i fucking like as i feel like sometimes we get really caught up in all the shittiness that has existed in the last like six or seven years because like it's been shitty but it's like the flip side is like we live in a world where for three seasons this show was running on disney channel for kids who felt like they didn't belong to have a person speaking on their behalf directly to them mm-hmm. that was just straight up non-existent when we were kids <laughs> looking for tv shows to make us feel accepted so like 
I, this is again why the the you know this is about as political as I ever get on the show. But this is why I'm so in love with what Gen Z will be doing for our future because they've been given all of the best information on how to be a good person through the thing that at the end of the day speaks to kids more than anything, which is their TV shows, their music. They're like they're they're being fed on a diet of not really political stuff at the end of the day you know like i was on a diet of rage against the machines that for like a year i thought i was an anarchist but like <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, yeah but like they're just being fed on like a non-political agenda of just like these people exist and deserve love and that's like where change is ultimately going to happen when it's like this has nothing to do with party lines it has everything to do with humanitarianism <laughs> and like i am so excited for like seeing this next generation of kids crop up that just like understand this they don't question it they don't fight against it they're just like yes i have met people who are they them i have met people who are trans i understand what this is and i will fight for these people because these are people in my lives which is what it ultimately comes down to the thing i always remember john water saying you can't really hate people if you actually leave your town and travel once in a while and meet people who don't look like you no <laughs> like, fucking kidding huh? like once you have a personal connection with someone who's different than you the desire to defend people that are different than you jumps up just that more <laughs> like, but alright Scott take us home man how do I follow that? I really wish you would have ended the episode with that. Um, I watched Metal Lords finally um, Ooh. <laughs> and I had That's a fine. blast watching it um I, it, it, I, I was very interested in the redemption arc because that yeah. was what the whole movie is about. And, um, you know, the, the fact that I'm restarting my old metal band at the same time as this has happened as I'm watching it. And, you know, the, really the focus of the movie, like the, 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 the moral of the story is, pick people that you care to be around to spend your time with because you I mean like if you're going to write music with people don't do it to write music do it because you enjoy their time and you enjoy the creativity with them um, and like stop worrying about what is and isn't metal and or punk or I mean like it's it's got kind of that like that SLC punk vibe to it where it's talking about um, you know like a lifestyle choice but how the lifestyle choice is about a mindset and not about what you do with that mindset, if that makes sense. Um, really loved it. Um, and it did get, a. It, it was fun how the eventual battle of the band scene, uh, where they got what they wanted, felt, it felt unreal and then it became unreal um there was like that that moment where it stops being the reality and becomes the fantasy of the guitar player and that really sat very well with me because i thought that it was a very clever way of showing that like yeah this isn't 100 percent what happened but they still had a really good time playing that set so yeah we really really liked it, it, it was really fun I, I mean not to bring up controversial shit from the past uh but just feels so much more authentic than Deathgasm was. Oh yeah, in like in its writing and its characters. That was because it, it was definitely written by someone who loves metal. Like yeah. Metalocalypse was written by Brendan Small, 
um smalls whatever his last name is um yeah. and that dude lives and breathes metal he's way more metal than i ever could be and you know like that's why metalocalypse's jokes hit that's why it was so beloved that's why the music fucking rules um i think that metal lords has that same energy where the love of the genre shines through without being uh hey look at me hey wink wink nudge nudge like yeah you get some fucking sweet um I mean, but also they're not super obscure cameos like halford everybody knows ralph halford mm -hmm. i mean yeah. even if you don't know what anthrax sounds like or you know stormtroopers you've seen you know who scott ian somewhere like he's, yeah. he's a cultural icon and you know like i just i found it to be charming and yet understated in a very almost british coming of age yeah. uh, movie way does brian Posehn end up in this at any point because he feels surprisingly he should, no um, okay. the, I was no, say, uh, all these people that you're naming are like, yeah, well, but Brian okay. Pesane, right. it would have been too meta to have in it, yeah, if that makes sure. sense. Like, because yeah. he's no, one step removed I mean, you're from these references. You know, like, yeah. Brian Pesane talks about being metal, and this movie talks about being metal. So, having someone who talks about being metal come in the movie and talk about being too, metal might yeah. have been a bridge too far for them. And I yeah. really love that, that they, they, they were serious it, about it. Yeah. And I love, I love that, that of all places, the movie came from a guy who's like, big foot in the door was writing, producing, directing, and co-creating Game of Thrones. And then was like, all right, you can write your first film. And he's like, I want to write Metal Lords. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It, I, I, it kind of rules. Basically, like, it's it's a, it's a, a teen comedy just starring metalheads. Yeah, one metalhead, actually. Well, <laughs> one but one person who looks the part, and then mm -hmm. the his best friend who he has dragged along to play drums in their metal band called Skullfucker, um, which is so hilariously over the top metal, and I just loved that. Something else that is awesome is Psycho Two, nineteen eighty-three Psychos Two, as picked by Kyle. Uh, tune in next week for another eighties film that has its awesome moments, I think. <laughs> In the last 10 minutes. <laughs>